Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a man who did not want to be a father. And I'll be talking about the dangers of winning the lottery. I love this. Okay, so I picked this because most of our listeners are here in the United States, but Uh some of them are outside it. And we are having lottery craze in the United States right now. People are going nuts. So we are pre-recording this a little bit, but... So it's before um, we've won the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, last night, as of right now when we're recording, there was a giant lottery drawing for a $1.6 billion lottery, and one person won it. (gasps) There was one winning ticket. That person won the whole... $1.6 $1.6 billion. Have they released their name and no, stuff? No, and they're in South Carolina, uh-huh. which I looked this up yesterday. There are, I think, six states that allow you to remain anonymous as a lottery uh-huh. winner. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that South Carolina is one of them. Okay, good for them. Yes. I think that should be a rule everywhere. Absolutely. You shouldn't have to tell And everyone. this story is going to tell you why that's the case. Okay, okay. Um, Kansas, actually, is also one of the six states that allows you to remain anonymous. Missouri is not. Well, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, tonight, uh-huh. as of this recording, is a drawing for a $600 million lottery. So I bought. I don't usually pl- play the lottery. Uh-huh. Cause I'm here's what I figure. I've got like a speck of dirt's chance uh-huh. of winning any kind of lottery, and I'm not wasting that one fucking win on like a forty million. I'm only buying them if, <laughs> they're, wants 40 if million? they're in the triple digits. <laughs> See, and I. <laughs> Have never bought a lottery. You've ticket. never bought a lottery ticket. I have no interest. Uh huh. Don't know if you've ever met my father. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are certain things that yeah you just can't erase. That's um, right. One, I'm never buying a new car. Uh huh. Never buying a lottery ticket. All right. Uh, I do spend more than fifteen dollars on my shoes, so I guess that <laughs> lesson didn't really sink in. <laughs> so I bought tickets yesterday to both the Mega Millions drawing, which was last night. Didn't fucking win. And then I am predicting now that tonight I'm going to win the $600 million Powerball. So how much will you share with me? Ooh, $5. Oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I appreciate that. You know, we're cousins. (laughs) Sorry, that's like the only thing I know about lotteries. Like you win the lottery and everyone is like, I'm your cousin. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've fallen on hard times. I don't have a beach house yet. So in that vein, let me tell you about a guy who won the lottery and uh, things didn't work out well for him. First, let me tell you, and I'll do this very quickly. 
one of the benefits to winning the lottery is you could go on GamingHistorian.com, buy oh yourself a t-shirt. I would spend all $600 million on Gaming Historian t-shirts. That would buy me 60 million Gaming Historian t-shirts. Which is almost exactly what you need. <laughs> <laughs> so if you would like a $10 Gaming Historian t-shirt, head on over to GamingHistorian.com. I don't know that that math was correct, but it's Who fine. Who cares? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm... I pulled the majority of this information from an episode of American Greed. Love it. As well as an episode of Snapped. Ooh. Those two combined. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I'm very excited. On November 15th, 2006, Abraham Shakespeare, oh. which is maybe my favorite name that I've ever heard in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> Was just your average 40-year-old man working as a delivery assistant for a food distribution company in Central Florida. On this particular day, though, the driver of the truck he was working on stopped off at a convenience store in Frostproof, Florida, for a drink and cigarettes. And Abraham asked him to pick up two tickets for that night's $30 million Florida lotto drawing. Abraham had been playing the lottery for years, but that night he couldn't believe it when he matched all six numbers. Wow. He stared at the ticket in disbelief. Then he had his friend look at it, and sure enough, he'd won. Abraham claimed his winnings a couple days later and took home a lump sum payment of just under $13 million. Oh my gosh. It seemed his days of working endless hours at low-paying jobs were over. He'd finally struck it big. But Abraham would soon find out that winning the lottery was the best and worst thing that had ever happened to him. Okay, do you remember? I don't know if they still make this show. Uh Uh-huh. It was on TLC. Oh, the lottery ruined my life? Yes. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Because, like, it's a bunch of people who... Yeah. Largely have never had money before. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they have more money than God. Yep. And they don't know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, everyone's targeting Mm them. Ooh, not good. So first, Abraham treated himself. He bought himself a $1.1 million mansion and a $100,000 BMW. Oh, my. Then he treated everyone else. Abraham Shakespeare became real popular. Oh, no. His former girlfriend and baby mama said that Abraham had always been a bit of a nobody. And now he really liked being a somebody. Yeah. So he was handing out money left and right. He paid for random people's groceries. He caught people up on their rent. He handed out cash to strangers. He reportedly loved the attention at first. Mm. But he also loved helping people. I was going to say, it would feel really cool to just buy someone's groceries. Yes, absolutely. People who were at risk of losing their homes to foreclosure would come to him and ask him for help. Wait, and he won this in 2006? Yeah. Oh, shit. Some of these people were strangers or friends of a friend or former co-workers. But each time, Abraham would help them out. He'd buy their home 
and then have them make their payment straight to him instead of the bank. But he wasn't doing this as some sort of money-making scheme. He didn't charge them any more than they could afford. Mm -hmm. He bought upwards of 10 houses out of nothing more than pure generosity. But this generosity would soon catch up to Abraham. Abraham Shakespeare had only an eighth-grade education and admittedly had trouble making sense of large numbers. This, accompanied with the rate at which he was doling out cash, resulted in Abraham quickly burning through a large portion of his lottery winnings. Hold on. When he won the lottery, did he get the help of, like, a financial advisor? Mm -mm. Oh, no. No. Dude. He did not. Abe. Yeah. So... For anybody who is listening and is is about to win the six hundred million powered like ball tonight, like myself, the first thing you're supposed to do: sign your ticket, mm-hmm. take a picture of it. Yep. Then you consult a lawyer and a financial advisor before claiming the prize. Mm-hmm. Abraham Shakespeare did not do this, so he's spending money so fast, and he's. He's genuinely helping people. And he just has no yeah. grasp on how much money he had or how much money he's spending. Mm-hmm. And then there were people who wanted to take advantage of him. Of course. It would seem that every person he'd ever met started to come out of the woodwork looking for a handout. So people started to come out of the woodwork looking for a handout. People were trying to take advantage of him. Mm -hmm. And then there was the driver who'd picked up the lottery ticket for Abraham at the convenience store that day. He was like, oh, you got mine. I got yours. He claimed Abraham had stolen the lottery ticket from him. No. And he took him to court. A jury sided with Abraham. Yeah. But he wasn't even relieved by the judgment anymore. It was all too much. He changed his phone number, mm-hmm. and he told his mother he'd be better off broke. That's so sad. As 2008 neared its end, Abraham Shakespeare had spent, handed out, or loaned all but $1.5 million what? of his $13 million jackpot. Ooh. And that's where Dee Dee Moore entered the picture. It was October when Abraham met Dee Dee over dinner at Red Lobster. Mm-hmm. They were chowing down on those Cheddar Bay biscuits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So good. <laughs> so, my mouth just started immediately watering. Say, what's the... I wish you guys could see what she just did. Because she, like, mimed putting the biscuits into her mouth. And at first it was just, like... Simple miming, but then it was like she could almost taste them. Yeah, my and mouth she, legit started watering. Well, I mean, <laughs> who doesn't love a Cheddar Bay biscuit? So she, Dee Dee had apparently been researching Abraham and had asked his realtor to set up a meeting. I don't know how she knew his realtor. I was going to say, what the hell? But Dee Dee told Abraham that she owned a nursing staffing company that was very successful and that had made her independently wealthy. Mm-hmm. And she told him that she'd been following his story and wanted to learn more about him. She wanted the inside scoop on what it was like to win the lottery and have everyone take advantage of you. And she told him that she was thinking of writing a book about him. <laughs> you have thoughts already? You want to call her a super douche? 
I, yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, you're independently wealthy and you happen to meet at the Red Lobster. No. Doesn't, no. doesn't jive in your mind? Doesn't jive. Doesn't <laughs> jive. And then like, oh, I own, what is it, a nursing staffing company? Uh-huh. And I'm also an aspiring writer? Get out of here. <laughs> all aspiring writers are super douches. <laughs> Greatly, you can be so self-aware. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Dee Dee was like a knight in shining armor no, to Abraham. No, she wasn't, for sure. No. Here was a woman who dressed well, drove nice cars, had money of her own, and wasn't looking for a handout, and instead wanted to help him. In fact, when Dee Dee learned that Abraham, despite being a millionaire, was behind on his mortgage... She made a $7,000 payment to get him current. Whoa, she, ooh, she's good. <laughs> she's good. Abraham was blown away by this act of kindness. Oh, no. He was so used to people taking from him. Mm. He didn't even know how to respond when someone gave to him. From that day forward, it seemed Dee Dee Moore had gained his trust completely. No. For the low, low price of $7,000. Yep. Mm-mm. But what Abraham didn't know about Dee Dee was that she had a checkered past of lies, deceit, and fraud. Even her own father said of her, she tells the fibbiest fibs. Oh, no. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's bad when your parents yeah. think you suck. The most notable instance of this is when she staged a carjacking to avoid getting her car repoed after falling behind on payments. How do you stage a carjacking? Well, let me tell you, Kristen. Oh, my God. She tied herself up. No. no. Threw herself into a ditch. (laughs) And then called the police and said she was attacked by two men who attempted to rape her. Oh. And left her for dead. Oh, my. The story quickly unraveled, though, when police began to investigate, and Dee Dee ended up pleading guilty in court to making a false statement. How did they know? How- I mean, I think she just pretty quickly, like, couldn't describe the attackers. Okay. Like, okay. yeah. And, I mean, tie yourself up. Like, yeah. I feel like that'd be really obvious. Yeah, and there were no signs of, like, any physical harm to her other than, you know, maybe a bruise where she threw herself into a ditch. <laughs> it turns out that she'd made the whole thing up in hopes of getting an insurance payout that would allow her to keep her car. That's so It's stupid. so dumb and poorly planned. <laughs> She was sentenced to a year of probation for the stunt. Instead of learning her lesson from those prior fraud experiences, though, Dee Dee had learned who to target and had gotten really good at getting an unsuspecting victim on her line. Mm. It wasn't long before she had her hooks in Abraham Shakespeare. Dee Dee began by planting little seeds of paranoia in Abraham's mind. She told him that everyone was going to come for him for his money. Mm. The IRS is going to come after him for all those undocumented loans he had out there. And his baby mama was going to come after him for child support. And on and on from there. Mm -hmm. 
But she offered him a solution. She was like, I can help you. Let's just start by transferring your assets no, out of harm's no, way. No. And remember, I'm here to help you. I'd never do anything bad to you. So remember when I paid all, to all me? that money towards your mortgage? I am your friend. Oh, no. Hold on. How many times on this podcast have we talked about a woman named Dee Dee? Do all women <laughs> named Dee Dee suck? I don't know. If you are listening to this podcast and your name is Dee Dee, please reach out and plead your case because at this point, we're thinking Dee Dee's are terrible. What if someone, all Brads are blonde? All Brads are blonde. All Dee Dee's are, are terrible. terrible. I would love right. it if a Dee Dee tweeted at all us and she's like, Marks I'm sorry, are I'm Canadian. In a ditch. All Marks are Canadian. <laughs> So in January of 2009, Abraham gave Didi a quarter of a million dollars. No. She was supposed to pass that money on to the IRS. What? And she did make a payment to them using those funds, but it was only for $20,000. She kept the rest of the money. Then Didi convinced Abraham that he needed to sell his house and all of those loans he had out to people so that the IRS couldn't come after him. She was like, look, you don't need that kind of headache. Why don't you sell all that stuff to me? No. I'm used to dealing with that kind of business stuff, and you'd be better off just having that cash in your pocket. And Abraham was like, wow, I can't believe you'd do that for me. Oh, my God. What a nice person you are. Sure. Let's make a deal. So Dee Dee buys Shakespeare's $1.1 million mansion. For how much? For $655,000. And then for an additional payment of $185,000, she purchased another $3.5 million in assets and properties by purchasing all of the loans he'd given out. That equates to just under a nickel on the dollar that she paid him to free him of those burdens. Meanwhile, was she going to work every day? Or uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm so sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking she's lounging around in yoga pants. Like, let me tell you about business. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm really great at business. Let me tell you. Don't worry your little head over this. I'll take care of everything. You're just gonna have so much money. Look at me. I live in a one point one one million dollar house. house. Exactly. Next, Dee Dee targeted the just over a million dollars that Abraham had in an annuity account. She was like, listen, Abe, that money is not safe in that account. The IRS could seize that money from you. What we need to do is set up an LLC and move that money into a business account for you. That way, it's protected. Don't worry, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. You don't have to worry about a thing. Oh, my God. This just makes me so fucking mad because I think that this is like a legitimate fear of people, that, they, that they're that they doing something wrong and that the IRS is going to come after them. It totally is. Yes. Yeah. And so she's just feeding on that. Well, yeah, she has figured out the thing that freaks him out. Yeah. He's afraid of the government. Yes. So every time it's, yeah. the government's going to get you, the government's yeah. going to get you. Yeah. Meanwhile, he should know all DDs are terrible. That's and correct. It's the DD who's coming That's after That's correct. So DD sets up a bank account with Bank of America, a business account. 
in both of their names. But when Abraham goes to the bank to sign the papers for it and to transfer the million dollars into it, he voices his concerns about her being on the account to the bank manager. Yeah. He's like, I need to make sure that I'm going to have access to my money. Mm -hmm. This is my money. I want to make sure that everything is here is on the up and up. And the bank manager's like, of course, this is your account. You're on it. You can access this money anytime. You but know, so she's, could she. she's also on it yeah. as your business partner. She has the same signing ability that you do. And he's like, well, that's fine. As long as I have access to it, I totally trust her. That's fine. But what Abraham didn't know was that after they left the bank that day, Dee Dee returned to the bank on her own and told the bank manager that she was protecting Abraham Shakespeare. She told him that he'd won the lottery and had blown through all of his money. Mm-hmm. And now she was just trying to help him by managing what remained of his winnings. But she told the manager if he had full access to that money and he could spend it any which way he wanted, she wouldn't be able to help him. So she asked the manager if he could just give her a heads up before letting Abraham withdraw from the account. <sighs> but the bank manager was like, Sorry, Dee Dee, I can't do that. Yeah. He's good, a, he's good. a signer on the account, just mm-hmm. as you are. He has full access to that money anytime he wants it. Yep. So wouldn't you know it, that two days later, Dee Dee shows up with the ba- at the bank with a signed form removing Abraham as a signer on the account. No. Yep. Forged the, or did she convince him? I don't know. Okay. Okay. The bank processed the form. And took away his authorization. He no longer had any access to the account. That is horrible. And he had no way of knowing what Didi was doing with the funds in it. The bank manager quickly became suspicious of Didi, and she fucking knew it. Mm-hmm. One day, when she clearly felt that he was onto her, she tried to give him a twenty thousand dollar check as a bribe in what? order to get him just to like look the other way. Uh huh. Instead, though, this bank manager took that check to Bank of America's internal investigation unit and told them everything that was going on. Yes. He was certain that she was trying to steal all of Abraham Shakespeare's money. Oh, what a wonderful guy. I know, right? Yes. So Bank of America has refused to comment on what steps their internal investigation took. But in the end, it closed the investigation without taking any action against Dee Dee Moore. And over a period of 11 days, she was able to drain the million-dollar bank account all the way down to just $45,000. What? Mm-hmm. The bank manager is no longer with Bank of America, mm-hmm. and he has said in interviews that he wished corporate security would have gone to greater lengths to look into this or do something about it because he believes this case could have ended a very different way had they taken the time to do so. I am shocked by this because I used to have an account with Bank of mm-hmm. America. I remember one time I went in to withdraw a fairly significant yeah. sum of money to get my roof redone. Yeah. They treated me like I was a criminal. They wanted to know what I did for a living, blah, blah, oh, blah. wow. Yeah. Interesting. And let me tell you, I was not trying to get a million dollars out. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. So for whatever reason, their investigation didn't find anything. And this bank manager thought that was 
wrong and wish they had taken yeah. more care. And uh, and so do I, because things were only going to get worse for Abraham Shakespeare. In April of 2009, people realized that Abraham wasn't hanging out at his usual spots. And he missed meetups with friends. Oh, no. So over the next few months, rumors began to swirl about his whereabouts. Some said he'd finally had enough of everyone always looking for a handout, so he'd left town. Others said that he'd been in Haiti during that uh, catastrophic earthquake they'd had there, Mm -hmm. and he'd been killed. (laughs) That's kind of far-fetched. And then there was the rumor that he had AIDS and was on his deathbed. What? Yeah, just all kinds of crazy rumors about where he was. Two things can be said for certain about these rumors. They were false. First, none of them were true. Mm Mm-hmm. And second, they could all be traced back to the same person. Oh, God. The one person who said she'd had regular contact with Abraham over those months. Mm-hmm. That person was Dee Dee Moore. Abraham. She is so dumb. She's fucking, she's a fucking idiot. First of all, okay. Here's the segment in the podcast yeah. where we tell you how to lie. You don't do the, oh, I was tied up and nearly raped. Uh-huh. No. Just not, oh, he, you didn't know he had AIDS? Oh, yeah. well, oh you didn't know he went to Haiti? Yeah, you oh. didn't hear that he was killed in that horrible earthquake they had there? Yeah. Go for simple. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Uh, just remember, folks, when you're lying, just remember kiss. Every lie begins with a kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been the Advice Hour with Let's Go to Court. (laughs) (laughs) So Abraham's friends and family members grew more and more concerned um, as he refused to answer their calls Mm -hmm. and would only communicate with him through text. Well, yeah, but I mean, he was dead in Haiti, so. And the text messages didn't sound like Abraham. Mm-hmm. They contained big words that he'd never used yep. in conversation before. Yep. But Dee Dee assured everyone, including Abraham's elderly mother, that everything was fine. He was fine. He was just getting away for a while. He got a word of the day calendar <laughs> and he went on vacay. In the meantime, Dee Dee was living the high life. I bet she was. She'd moved into the mansion that used to be Abraham's. She bought a Hummer and a fancy truck. And she bought her much younger boyfriend a Corvette. Let's hear the age gap. I don't know the age gap, but she's not cute. And they just described him as much younger. And they didn't show a picture of him. His face was blurred. He was a little embarrassed? I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how much cuteness a million dollars buys you. I bet a lot. Okay. Yeah. I bet a Corvette would get you real far (laughs) to bridge that age gap. (laughs) Then she bought a second home in a nearby town where she started doing extensive renovations, Mm -hmm. including putting a nice big concrete patio in the middle of the backyard. To cover up a body? I don't know. Do you think that's what she was doing with I it? I am afraid I she so. just wanted a nice place to entertain, Kristen. Can it be both? <laughs> <laughs> In 
More than seven months went by without a single sighting of Abraham Shakespeare. No, no, no. The people closest to him, his mother, the mother of his child, were being manipulated by Dee Dee Moore. So they really weren't sure what to believe. Mm -hmm. And the people who owed him money weren't real quick to report him missing. Oh, shit, you're right. Because if you owe someone $50,000 and they disappear, you probably don't owe them $50,000 anymore, right? Probably. Except in this case. Because Dee Dee had purchased those loans from Abraham. And I bet she was like a loan shark. And she wasn't letting anyone skip out on their payments. And that's where things started to unravel for Dee Dee. In November of 2009, she repossessed a car of Abraham's cousin due to missed payments. The problem here... Can you just repose? I, I, mean, I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't like a real legit thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't just Dee Dee. Yes, like going, I'm sure. Oh, my. So the problem with this was that months earlier, she'd paid him $5,000 to deliver a birthday card to Abraham's mother and say he'd just gotten it from him. Oh. So... What did the cousin do when he was pissed about his car being repoed? Got real honest real fast. He went to the police. He told them everything he knew, that Dee Dee had purchased all of Abraham's assets and Mm -hmm. was living in his house, that she'd paid him to tell people that he'd seen Abraham, and that no one had actually seen Abraham in more than seven months. Yep. Yep. So the police bring Dee Dee Moore in for questioning Mm -hmm. about this whole crazy story. And she tells them, yes, she did buy all of Abraham's assets, but she did so legally and as a favor to him. Mm -hmm. You see, he just wanted to get out of town and needed the cash to start a new life where no one knew him. So she helped him out. So investigators look into this and they find one big problem with Dee Dee's story. What? They could find no proof that she ever paid him for his assets. Oh. Not the $650,000 for the house, nor the $185,000 for the loans and other properties. Nor did they find any proof that she would have been able to make those purchases. Her business that she claimed had made her independently wealthy was not very profitable. And it seemed like she hadn't had much money at all before she got her hands on Abraham's. Mm. When investigators confronted Dee Dee with this information, she was like, oh, pish posh. <laughs> I paid him cash for all of that stuff, oh, of course. Oh, sure, sure. And they were like, oh, sure, yeah. We 100% believe that you had $835,000 in cash just lying around. I mean, don't we no all? No problem. So that's when they started looking into Abraham Shakespeare's phone records. Mm -hmm. The records showed that Abraham stopped making calls after April 6, 2009. Right around the same time, people noticed he wasn't hanging out at his usual spots. Oh, no. But his phone had continued to send text messages. And remember, Dee Dee had claimed that she was still calling him regularly over those months that he was missing. Uh And the record did show that the phones had connected on several occasions throughout that time. But when they did, they were pinging right next to each other. Same cell towers. Yep. Yep. Mm -mm. 
When confronted with this information, Dee Dee was stunned. She was obviously caught in a lie, and she scrambled to come up with an explanation. Mm -hmm. Finally, she offered one up. Okay, yes, she told investigators. I do have Abraham's phone. But it's because he wanted me to have it. That was part of his plan for getting away. I was supposed to be pretending to be him, guys. Come on, you're being so mean to me about this. (laughs) I bet they were. (laughs) And detectives were like, you know what, Dee Dee? We are being mean to you. Because we've got a man who won millions of dollars and is now missing. And you're just feeding us line after line of bullshit. So you know what we're starting to think? That you're a fucking murderer? We're starting to think that Abraham isn't really missing. We think maybe Abraham is fucking dead. And he's under your patio. (laughs) Right. Abraham is not dead, Dee Dee responded. But now she was scrambling. Police were on to her and she needed help. Mm -hmm. So she enlisted the help of Greg Smith a Lakeland, Florida barber who owned a barbershop that Abraham had frequented. She didn't hire a lawyer. She went to... No, she went to a barber. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Abraham loved this barbershop. He'd go there just to help sweep up hair and shoot the shit all day Mm -hmm. with the men who came in and out. Abraham had loaned Greg $63,000, a debt that was now owed to Dee Dee. Okay. So she came by and offered to relieve him of that debt if he would just make a simple phone call to detectives saying that he had just seen Abraham in Miami. And Greg was like, $63,000 for one phone call? Fuck yeah, I'll do it. No. And so he placed the call. That is so upsetting. That's a guy who you've known for how long? Yeah. He was your friend. And you you know why. He doesn't... I mean, yes, he probably does know why. Yes, he does. He prob- you're probably Come on. right. Yeah, Brandy. What? <laughs> what did he pay you something to no. be nice to him? No. So, Is this like the barber's code of ethics? <laughs> That's right. We we stick together. <laughs> but here's the problem. Again, as we often say on this podcast, I don't mean to tell you how to commit a crime. <laughs> oh no! But. If you're going to have someone place a phone call like this, you might want to give them a fucking script or something because this call was a disaster. So let me tell you how it went. Please. One night, one of the detectives was driving home Mm -hmm. and he gets a call on his cell phone. Mm -hmm. On the line is a guy who's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I just saw Abraham Shakespeare down in Miami. Okay. And the detective was like, well, how do you know it was Abraham? And the caller says, oh, I saw his ID. Oh, God. <laughs> and the detective. I'm also a bouncer at Miami nightclubs. Right. And the detective's like, how is it that you saw his ID? And the caller's like, oh, uh, so he was taking it out of his wallet and it fell out in front of me. And so I read it. So, like, I positively ID'd him. You're welcome. Look no further. He's just (laughs) fine. He's not missing at all. Have a great day. Goodbye. (laughs) That is the dumbest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. And the detective was like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) How'd you get my number? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) And the caller was like, uh, gotta go, bye. (laughs) And hung up the call. (laughs) That's amazing. Amazing, right? I love everything about it. (laughs) Yes. 
So detectives track down this caller and they go and meet with Greg Smith. Oh, my God. And they asked him if he had called them and he admitted that he had. And he told them the whole story of how Dee Dee Moore had offered to erase his debt if he'd placed that call. And detectives filled him in on their theory that Dee Dee Moore had done something terrible to Abraham Mm -hmm. and he agreed to help them. This was great. Now detectives had someone on the inside and he came up with a great way to help them. Really? This dum-dum helped them? He really did. Okay. And he actually showed how he did it on this episode of American Greed. Okay. Okay. So he removed the top from a Red Bull can. Okay. It's like he like ground it onto like cement, like the like an empty Red Bull can. Okay. And like took the top and like ground it onto the ground, like, I don't know, in a twisting motion. Okay. And the the top part of it will separate away from the rest of the can. Pulled that off, uh-huh. put a recording device in the can, oh. and then put the top on so it just looks like a regular Red yeah. Bull. And then he put that in his cup holder in his car and he recorded every conversation he had with Dee Dee from that point on. That's really smart. It's really smart. And even the detectives were like, well, we didn't want to really tell him how great of an idea it was, but it was a really good idea. <laughs> Well, yeah, because like for movies, we're all looking at someone's chest. Exactly. Like for the wires and stuff. But, you know, a Red Bull, if someone's not drinking from that can, you're like, well, that's normal because Red Bull is disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Greg, I'm with you. (laughs) So they start having these meetups and these conversations in his truck and all of them are recorded. Yeah. In one conversation, Dee Dee asked him to help fabricate a letter from Abraham to his mother to explain why he left and to assure her that he was okay and that he just wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Dee Dee read the letter out loud on the recording. Oh, my God. And they're, like, going over, like, hey, do you think this sounds okay? Should they're change workshopping this? It. Yeah. Do you think this sounds like something he'd say? Mm-hmm. And then they'd go together to drop it in Abraham's mother's mailbox. Detectives, thankfully, were able to intercept the letter before his poor mother had to read it. Thank goodness. But so they have a recording of them planning out and reading this fucking letter. And then they're able to go get the letter. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty bad. Yeah. A few days later, Dee Dee met with Greg again. And Greg again had his recorder going. This time, for the first time, Dee Dee admitted that Abraham might not be missing. And that he might be dead. But that she, of course, had nothing to do with it. A big time Miami drug dealer with mafia ties Hold named. On, do you see that random dog out there? No. I don't see a dog at all, Kristen. <laughs> Is it a ghost dog? Oh my gosh, buddy. Oh, where's your home? Oh. Oh. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? He's in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom. This podcast gets interrupted for the weirdest the reasons. The weirdest reasons. Should we explain what just happened? Yeah. We were sitting here talking about a dead lottery winner. That's when correct. all of a sudden this like sweet big dog comes up in the he driveway. A, a beautiful brindle boxer. And he had a collar on and tags. It was red. And so, <laughs> and so we went out to try to get him. But Brandy scared him. Uh, Kristen scared him. She looked like a dog catcher. She was like coming after him with a choke okay. chain. Okay. I I came at him <laughs> like the world's hottest, coolest <laughs> dog, dog catcher. <laughs> and no, then I, he left and he chased a cat. That cat looked pee. pissed. The cat looked terrified. <laughs> the cat did that thing where like <laughs> their fur stands all on all puffed up, but their back is also arched at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
It looked terrified. Oh, that poor dog. I hope it finds its home. Did I ever tell you about the time... So, Norman and I were out for a walk. We found this random dog. It wanted to play with Peanut. So, we called, like... I can't remember who we called. But bottom line was... Ghostbusters? We called Ghostbusters. (laughs) They were no help. (laughs) No. So, we went to some of the houses nearby, and everyone was like, Yeah, I've seen that dog. I don't know what the deal is. What? So, So, we called it in. Turns out the dog had, like, run away from home for five days. It was this little girl's dog. She was, like, distraught, so upset. They thought it was dead because... You reunited it? It was, like, one of the best moments of my life. Reunited and it feels so good. (laughs) It was, like, it was such a wonderful feeling. But I, like, could not believe my neighbors that were like, Oh, yeah, um, I noticed there was a dog with, like, a tag and everything, but I just... You what know. you're saying is that your neighbors are terrible. Well, this was several years ago. Different. Different neighbors? Different, different terrible neighbors? Different. <laughs> different area. Excellent. Anyway. Should we get back to the case? No, we shouldn't. We should turn into Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen dog catcher. <laughs> what was their song? Something about we solve any crimes crime before dinner, dinner time. time. Oh, yeah. We solve any crime yeah. by dinner time. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm just going to back it up here a smidgen. Greg is meeting with Didi again, and this time she admits that Abraham might be dead. Mm-hmm. But, of course, she had nothing to do with it. Duh. No, it was a big-time Miami drug dealer with mafia ties. Okay. Again. Named Ronald. No, first of all, there are no mob bosses named Ronald. <laughs> and... Didi, your lies are too They're, big. Yes, exactly. So Ronald had killed Abraham, and now he was forcing her to cover it up. How easy would it have just been to be like, I'm afraid he's dead. I don't know who it could be because he loaned out money to so many people. You know, right? Like, <laughs> keep it simple, exactly. Didi. Everything she had done was because he made her do it, and now Mm -hmm. she needed a way out. Mm. So she asked Greg to help her find someone who she could pay to take the fall for Abraham's death. What the fuck? Two days later, on January 21st, 2010, Greg Smith delivered. He brought Dee Dee to a Coles parking lot (laughs) (laughs) to meet with a man in a white GMC Yukon. The man told her he was already going away for 25 years and he was willing to take the fall for the right price. So Dee Dee told him the same story she'd told Greg about the drug dealer named Ronald and said that she needed someone to take the blame so Ronald would let her be. So this fall guy tells her that he'll take the rap for her for $50,000. $50,000 for a uh-huh. first degree murder uh-huh. charge? But he's going to need more information so that his confession will be believable. He needs to know how he died and where the body is. No problem, she says. She even has the gun that killed Abraham. And she knows exactly where the body is. It's buried on her property. Really? Under that concrete slab she poured. (laughs) (laughs) There was a one big problem with this deal with the fall guy, though. Hmm. Was he, he secretly a police officer? He wasn't going to be taking the fall because he wasn't headed to prison for 25 years. Because he was an undercover police officer. God. 
And of course. (laughs) (laughs) And now they thought for sure they had everything they needed. They had Dee Dee on tape confirming that Abraham was dead. She'd given them the murder weapon and she told them where they would find the body. Mm -hmm. So detectives brought Dee Dee in again for questioning. And immediately she begins to try and spin a tale, casting suspicion on others, just as she had in the past. This time, she implicated Greg Smith. (laughs) She was like, Dee Dee, you've got one friend. Yeah, she was like, good news, guys. You're totally right. Abraham's dead, and I found his killer. Uh It's Greg Smith. I'll take my award for best person ever now. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) hate that I had to do your job for you, but I did it. (laughs) But detectives were like, all right, easy there, (laughs) TD. Nice fucking try. But we've got you this time. Every conversation you had with Greg Smith is recorded. The gig is up. But of course, Dee Dee isn't giving up that easily. Mm -hmm. So she tries to implicate Greg Smith's friend. The undercover police officer fall guy, which obviously doesn't work either. He like shows up in his uniform. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're like, listen, lady, that guy's a cop. You're a fucking idiot. She's like, wow, there's a cop going away for 25 years? Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) God. And then when when that didn't work, Dee Dee tried to get detectives to cut a deal with her. Oh, why? If they would allow her to keep all the stuff she bought from Abraham, she'd give them the name of the real killer. Oh, my God. Lady, you have no bargaining (laughs) chips. That's exactly it. But detectives were like, you are not fucking getting this, are you, Dee Dee? We've got you. You have no power, no bargaining chips. You're done. Yeah. The following day... Recovery efforts began for the remains of Abraham Shakespeare. On the third day, his body was located exactly where Dee Dee said it would be, beneath that concrete slab. Ronald put it there. Yeah. He'd been shot twice in the chest. Mm. Police believe that Dee Dee had killed Abraham on April 6th when he confronted her about being taken off of his bank account. Oh. She then had called her ex-husband, who had access to, like, this little bulldozer thing, and told him she needed a hole dug to bury some trash. Why would you bury trash? I don't know. They mentioned this on this episode, like, that was a thing that people do. I've never fucking heard of that before. No, I set it out on a weekly People, if you're burying your trash, please reach out to us and let us know why this is a thing. (laughs) And gross. Does your yard smell? Of course it does. (laughs) So he'd come out, he dug the hole, and then she'd put Abraham into it, filled it in, and had the patio poured on top of him. She put him in by herself. So they they actually do talk about this on the on uh-huh. this episode. And they she had this like little like um riding lawnmower uh-huh. that had a trailer that could she could hitch up to the back of it. Okay. So Abraham was not a big guy. He was really skinny. So they thought that she could have got him onto that trailer, driven him out to the hole, and then just kind of pushed him off of it into and the hole. And then filled it in herself. Um, possibly. They really don't seem to think that her husband had or ex husband had any knowledge of why he was digging the hole other than trash and she could have i mean they they didn't talk about how it got filled in so maybe she called him back and was like i've put my trash in it fill it up Mm -hmm. okay yeah i don't know okay 
On February 1st, 2010, Abraham Shakespeare's death was officially ruled a homicide. The following day, Dee Dee Moore was arrested and charged with his murder. Mm. Dee Dee Moore's trial did not begin until November of 2012. The prosecution took just 11 days to lay out all of the evidence against her, including the tape-recorded conversations, pictures of the patio, and gruesome pictures of Abraham Shakespeare's mummified body when it was found just where she said it would be. The letter she'd written to Abraham's mother pretending to be him was also read aloud in court in its entirety. Dee Dee's defense lasted only five minutes. Oh. Her, to- her attorney pointed out to jurors that most of the evidence against her was circumstantial. And he asked them to consider her Ronald the drug dealer story and decide for themselves if they thought it could be true. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, I, I feel sorry for this defense I, attorney. I know. What, what, other, what choice did he have? I mean, what other angle was there? You're clearly representing someone who's very guilty. Very guilty. Yes. Very dumb. Prosecutors used their closing argument to contest the idea that Ronald was a real person. Hmm. Instead, they offered the theory to the jury that Ronald was a fictional embodiment of all the bad things that Dee Dee had done. By placing those traits into an imaginary character, it had allowed her to live with what she had done. The last thing they did before handing the jury the case was play a clip of an interrogation with Dee Dee in which detectives were repeatedly asking her who shot Abraham. So detectives are like, who shot Abraham Shakespeare? Yeah. And Dee Dee just goes, you know who shot Abraham Shakespeare. And this just goes back and forth over and over and over again. And so the prosecutor played this for them and and then looked directly at the jury and was like, based on the evidence in this case, you know who shot Abraham Shakespeare. Yeah. Jurors deliberated for only three hours before finding Dee Dee Moore guilty of first-degree murder. The judge sentenced her to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. Even from prison, Dee Dee hasn't given up her plots and schemes, though. In a letter to American Greed, she said that she was the real victim here. Okay. And that she was the Mm -hmm. one who'd been murdered By the justice system. (laughs) Then she asked for $250,000 for her defense fund, but said she'd settle for a starting payment of just $399.99. What? (laughs) So how quickly did they get that payment to her? Exactly. And uh, that's those are the dangers of winning the lottery. Poor Abraham Shakespeare. That's terrible. Yeah. Seriously, poor Abraham. He yeah. got that money. He didn't know what to do with oh, it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's really sad because I was reading these statistics about the lottery yesterday. Um, actually, not in relation to this case at all. Yeah. We're just, just seeing what my odds yourself. were of, yeah. Yeah, of winning. And a huge percentage of people who play the lottery are people who have no money. Yeah. And... And truly believe that this is going to be a a, a life changing thing for them. Well, it will be if it happens. Yeah, but it, but the odds of it yeah. happening are nothing. And like, there's uh, I should have written these stats down. So this is twenty eight percent correct. But okay. um, uh, something I don't know. The majority, I believe, mm-hmm. of people 
that are playing live below the poverty line and spend approximately $400 a year playing the lottery. Seriously? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Put that into your retirement account. Yeah, but they're, I mean. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's hopeful. It's, you know, yeah. this thought of what my life could be. And then I think there's also like, uh, like in Abraham's uh, situation, there's a lack of education around, yeah. you know, really what your odds are of winning or, you know, yeah. whatever. And it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. fun to have that dream. Yeah. It's fun for me to have that dream that I'm going to win $1.6 billion. What would you do with it? Oh, my gosh. I would travel everywhere. Everywhere? Everywhere. I want to see everything. What if I take you on an in-depth tour of my backyard? Um, I mean, I'd do it. I wouldn't be that excited. I, I want $250,000. <laughs> I will settle for an initial payment of $400. You will not be disappointed. I'm still holding out for that Powerball tonight, so I'll let you know how it goes. I am predicting by the time this episode comes out, Mm -hmm. I am a millionaire. Stamped it. Dated it. (laughs) How would the money change you, Brandy? Uh, I don't know that it would change. Here's the deal. Is that... I don't think that it can change me because I'm already very happy with my life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it would just make me happier and make things easier. Yeah. But it's not going to change like things to some crazy level. You know, I um, I remember a couple years ago we went on like a family vacation and we mm-hmm. had that talk of like, yeah. what would you do if yeah. all of a sudden you had like a life changing yeah. sum of money dropped into your lap? Yeah. And I remember at that time feeling really sad because I was like, well, I'd change a lot of things about my Mm -hmm. life because I hated my job. Yeah. So I was like, I'd quit my job. Yeah. And I'd finally start working on a novel Mm -hmm. and I'd travel everywhere. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of fun to think like if that were to happen to me, the only thing that would happen is I'd travel more. Yeah. Like I I wouldn't change what I'm doing. No. Because, you know. This podcast makes tons of money That's for us. That's right. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I'd keep podcasting. Absolutely. I'd keep writing. I'd keep yeah. trying to, you know, Absolutely. be a novelist. Um, I'd keep working with Norman. I think I might buy like a fancy house. Well, sure. And then I'd travel everywhere. Yeah. And I think I'd buy all of my several parents a fancy house. All of my several parents. I have so many parents. Would each of them get their no, own they, house? No, the, each set gets their own house. But oh, then, nice. you know, I got Zach's parents, too. So I got to buy, you know, I got to buy a lot of houses. And then I got all, <laughs> I have a whole shitload of siblings. So mm. I'm just going to be handing out houses left and right. What if you give them shitty houses? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to live over here. You, you guys, guys can have this house. You can have a tiny house. <laughs> What if I just paid off the house that they were currently living in? I think that'd be more than generous. That'd be great. All right. Yeah. Sisters, weigh in. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
Are you ready? I am. Just talk about a, a man who did not want to be a father. Would you like to know how I found this case? I would. So I, after the Halloween episode, Ooh. scarred Have for you life. forgiven me yet for that? I have. Okay. I, I listened back <laughs> to that episode and I'm like, okay, that's a good episode. Yeah. I just. You didn't like it. You didn't like the nipple belts? You're not thinking of working one up? Ah. Uh, okay, just for everyone listening, I'm covering my nipples right now. <laughs> yeah, which is great because she was topless before. <laughs> yeah, I just... there. That story is so much more sick mm-hmm. than anything... I've ever seen in pop culture. It's more sick than any of the stories we've done here. Yeah, like, it's, it's pretty gross. Just the grossest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I would have never known about it if it weren't for you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so this week I was like, done with that. Doing a light one now. I so I googled. I googled something like stupid lawsuits, mm-hmm. and this one kept coming up. Excellent. Here we go. I am excited. Yeah. Peter Wallace and Kelly Smith worked together in the real estate industry. So I think he was a broker. I'm not sure what she did. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, they fell in love. So in love that they eventually moved in together. Then Kelly got pregnant. Mm -hmm. They were both in their mid-30s at this point. Looking back, Peter says he was shocked, overwhelmed, and rather betrayed. Oh, betrayed? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he asked her to marry him. She said no. Yeah, no. Yeah, is that the proposal? I feel shocked. <laughs> I feel shocked and betrayed, but will you marry me? Uh-huh. <laughs> he encouraged her to have an abortion. She said no to that, too. Uh-huh. She, she said something like, at this point, she realized, okay, he does not love me. This is bad. Yeah. Then he kicked her out of the apartment. What? So she moved into her parents' house and decided, wow, Peter sucks. But I want to have this child. Kelly gave birth to a little girl, and she filed for sole custody. Uh-huh. Then... In November of 1998, a year after the baby was born, Peter sued Kelly. He sued her for becoming pregnant against his will. What? In his lawsuit, he said that Kelly intentionally acquired and misused his semen. Okay, hold on. There, there's a surefire way for him to keep that from happening. What? He could have worn a condom. <gasps> Let me tell you more about this story, and you'll <laughs> see who the real victim is here, Brandy. <laughs> he said that Kelly promised that she was on the pill, mm-hmm. but stopped taking the pill without telling him. So in other words, that was a contract, right? The contract was... She agrees to be on the pill, but she broke that contract. No. Why not? Because she's responsible for herself. He's responsible for himself. If he's that concerned about it, then he needs to be taking his own steps. 
I completely agree. And let me tell you, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want me to go on a rant right now, but let me I tell do want you, you to go on a rant. about the burden that requiring the woman to be the one responsible for birth control provides. It does terrible things to women's bodies. Yeah. Horrible things. And yet it's just like the accepted thing yeah. that women will take care of the birth control. Yeah. I think that's fucking terrible. I completely agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say. There I, are endless side effects and dangers and weird shit that can happen as a result of being on birth control for an extended amount of time. Yet that's just the given thing. And that's one of the things she said. Well, OK, I'll get into okay. what she said okay. later. OK. So Kelly, sorry, rant over. No, we're going to be ranting a lot. <laughs> okay, because this is a short script. Yeah, so you gonna, know, you know what kind of burden it creates for a man to wear a condom during sex? Like zero burden. Zero burden. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kelly was stunned, and for a very good reason. This was a highly unusual lawsuit. Yeah. Kelly was like, first of all, Peter and I never really discussed birth control. But I was on the pill. Mm -hmm. She said, I never stopped taking birth control pills. It was an accident. I was shocked. Yeah. So the other thing she said, kind of alluding to what you said of, you know, she they never really had the conversation. He just like a lot of guys assumed. Yeah. That she had. She was taking care of it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, look, dude. This was you've got the factory shut down, right? So it's fine if my workers come through. Good God. I mean, I feel like that's a fine analogy. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, look, dude, this was an unplanned pregnancy. I'm as shocked as you are. Yeah. Clearly, I'm taking it a lot better than you are. (laughs) So she's like, well, great. I guess I've got to get a lawyer now. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer looks at Peter's claim and is like, no. <laughs> Kelly couldn't have stolen Peter's sperm. Yeah. <laughs> because he, and I'm quoting here, surrendered any right of possession to his semen when he transferred it during voluntary sexual intercourse. I mean, wow. this is what's in legal documents. Wow. <laughs> surrendered right of possession. I never heard it called that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I. Most I, people call it ejaculation. <laughs> The the lawyer is totally right. Yeah, though. I mean, it's like nothing yeah. was stolen from you. Dude. No, nothing was misused. Yeah. Ugh. Meanwhile, Peter is talking to the media, and he says, "My daughter was born into a broken home. That's something I really have a problem with. I know I'll never collect money, but I hope that because of what I do." Maybe people will give a second thought before they commit fraud. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She didn't commit fraud. No. This guy's an idiot. He sounds like the Super douche. Super douche to the extreme. Super douche squared. (laughs) I bet he gets a Red Bull and he drinks it. (laughs) At this point... They've got this lawsuit going, and it's getting a lot of media attention. I mean, tons of media attention, because it was so weird. Yeah. 
But Peter hasn't decided yet how much he's seeking in damages because, you know, obviously he's going to get a big payout from this. Of course. But he does say he's hoping the money will cover his child support. Oh, all right. (laughs) He wants her to pay her own child support? Yeah, basically. Wow. Maybe a little more because, you know, she committed fraud. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Kelly is like, God damn, I don't even want child support from this guy. I don't want it. I, I asked to have sole parental rights, right? So, so here's the thing. She's like, the only reason we're even having this conversation is because I filed for sole custody. And the thing is, when you file for sole custody, then the state will probably make him pay child support. Gotcha. But she was like, I, I could really care less. I don't want to be entangled with this guy yeah. in any way. Yeah. Kelly said, if he wants to come in and be a part of her life, I welcome that. But if not, I would just prefer that he leaves us alone. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly's attorney was Mary Hahn. And Mary immediately was like, this lawsuit needs to be thrown out of court right now. Yes. So she asked the judge to dismiss the case. She said, first of all, Peter has failed to show that he has suffered any harm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you had sex, a child was born, you're not damaged no. in any way. No. Also, by the way, Judge, if you let this lawsuit go through, guess what's going to happen? Every dude who gets someone pregnant and regrets it is going to be like, uh, breach of contract. <laughs> uh, she stole my precious sperm and she misused it. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, like, yes, the precedent that that would set is ridiculous. It would be a disaster. Only, like, the best of people would be paying child support. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. So Mary said, there will be a flood of litigation if fathers realize... They will be spurting everywhere. Ew. <laughs> if fathers realize that they can get out of paying child support simply by blaming the mom. Are you still laughing? <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> she said, if he was so adamant, why didn't he use a condom? Uh, ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, just not emit. I know. (laughs) I don't care for that. (laughs) I think think sometimes when people are trying to be formal, it can almost sound grosser. (laughs) Why didn't he pull out? Yeah, you might as well say that. (laughs) But you can't say that when you're wearing a skirt suit. (laughs) Oh, you mean a suit? No, I mean a skirt suit. (laughs) She said... This is about a man who just does not want to accept his sexual responsibility. Talk about a whiner. Or a wiener. I agree. Um, I don't... Is it his sexual responsibility? I kind of think so, because I think if you're going down the logic of it takes two to tango, like yeah. part of your sexual responsibility as is that a man... You are, you is, are responsible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So like I said, this case made big news because everyone had an opinion on it. And some people were real douches about it. I would like to just pause real quick. Okay. And I am curious mm-hmm. about what percentage of the cases you cover Oh my god. Contains semen. <laughs> so many of the cases. This podcast 
Uh, it's brought to you by semen. Ew, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought that's where you were going. No, I was about to say something that I've said before, which is that, like, we're learning a lot about ourselves on and this that We have learned that Kristen is obsessed with semen. And you're obsessed with murder? bloody death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not learning great things about either of us. Which one of us is the freak? You decide. Probably me. (laughs) Tons of columnists and editorialists all had opinions on this. Men's rights groups came forward. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Real interested to see what they have to say. (laughs) The look on your face, the eye roll. I mean... Is exactly how I felt. So they're like, I didn't even include the quotes because, which I should have, but it was just so stupid. These guys were like, it's really not fair for the man. And I got pissed off at some of these columnists because a lot of them came at it from the perspective of Peter is correct, that Kelly lied to him about birth control. No, which I don't think you can say that. It's yeah. a he said, she said situation. Yeah. You can't just assume no why are you siding with the douchebag well and i i don't know i don't care for that at all no i i didn't care for it (laughs) a guy who wrote an opinion piece for slate was really fired up in favor of peter and he wrote a woman's promise to take charge of birth control and then not doing so remains the only form of monetary fraud that is not only not punished but is in fact regularly rewarded. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. I'm not sure what the reward is. I guess the child support pleasure of getting child support and then raising a child for the rest of your life. That's the reward. Holy (sighs) fucking shit. So, uh, but then the nation columnist, Katha Pollitt, wrote about that opinion. Okay, if this is fraud, then should we call a man's insincere promise to put it in for just a minute assault? (laughs) (laughs) Which I love that because it's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to bring uh, the legal system into this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's lots to be said on both sides. (laughs) So for the most part, opinion writers ultimately decided it takes two to tango. Yes, it takes two to tango. There's a certain risk involved in sex. No birth control method is 100% perfect. That is correct. And Peter, if you were that concerned, you could have taken precautions. You should have wrapped your Peter. Here's the thing. Peter, I think, was like 36 or 37. So he's too old to be pulling this shit. If you don't want to be a father, get a vasectomy. Well, that's what I'm going to say at that age. If you don't want to have kids, get a vasectomy. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but you know how babies are made, sir. Yeah. Months go by. It's February 1999. District Court Judge Robert, Robert Scott takes a look at the case. One of Kelly's attorneys, Paul Kennedy, said, Even if these allegations are true, which they're not, as a matter of law, there's no fraud here. Yeah. He said... Unmarried sexual partners who don't wish to conceive should legally take responsibility for their own conduct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shut up, Peter. And then he goes, and I love this legal argument. He goes, and just for the sake of argument, 
if there was a breached contract here, then that would be an illegal contract because it would be a contract for sex, like prostitution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in your face, Peter! God. But he said the most ludicrous thing in Peter's lawsuit was his claim that Kelly stole his semen and converted it for her own use without his permission. Basically, (laughs) this is like the most ridiculous thing. Peter's attorney, Ashley Gothier, claimed that Peter loaned Kelly his semen. He wanted it back. He was going to put it back into his testicles. Okay, Kelly's attorney had an even more sarcastic response than that. Are you ready? (laughs) I am. He said, hmm, what were the terms of the loan? What were the interest rates? (laughs) (laughs) So he goes... Every act of sexual intercourse involves the risk of pregnancy, and everyone who engages in it assumes that risk. 100%. Duh. He was like, by the way, Peter should be severely sanctioned because he brought this ridiculous lawsuit against Kelly knowing that she's on her own, living at her parents' house, making not a ton of money, trying to support a baby, She really doesn't have the money to be fighting this stupid legal battle. Yeah. But Peter's attorney was like, Nuh-uh, we will not be ashamed. She said, (laughs) We will not be ashamed! (laughs) She said, A man should be able to rely on his girlfriend or his wife's representations that she is using birth control. Yes, but even if she's using birth control... Mm -hmm. She could have forgotten a pill. That's not a malicious act. No, just forgot happens. it. And now it's not effective. Mm-hmm. Or, whoa, oh, she's taking birth control. Now she's on antibiotics. It's not effective. Yep. She isn't. This is so ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. And again, I say even take some responsibility yeah, for yourself, it's just dude. as much your responsibility. Yep. Oh. Peter's attorney was like, also, how dare you imply that the breach of contract is like prostitution? It's nothing like prostitution. No, it's it a is. good old fashioned contract. No. No. Hard no. Ultimately, the judge dismissed the case. Oh, good. But he denied the motion to sanction Peter. Mm. The judge said, this was not a frivolous lawsuit. It was stupid, and I'm dismissing it, but it was not frivolous. Which I, I hate that because how fucked up does a person have to be your ex-girlfriend and your child have had to move in with her parents. I think she was working at a hospital in like an administrative role. So she was just trying to get by with this infant and he sues her. That's ridiculous. And he's not even paying child support. Yeah. So Kelly left the courtroom that day crying. She didn't want to talk to reporters. But one of her lawyers did and said that Kelly was grateful for the ruling. Peter stopped to talk to reporters. And he told them that he loved his daughter. He continued to say that he was the victim of contraceptive fraud. He said he hopes that one day his daughter will get to know him and understand his motives. I doubt it. (laughs) Yep. 
Don't see that going well for you, Peter Man. I wish this was the end of the story. Oh my gosh, there's more? Do you think that a man who was victimized in this way would just give up on his legal battle? Brandy. I was hoping. Did you not understand? She stole his sperm and misused (laughs) it and broke their contract. Oh, gosh. I would argue that he loaned her the sperm Mm -hmm. and her payment back to him was the child that was half his. (laughs) That's interesting, actually. Yeah. I think that's a fair argument. (laughs) So Peter was undeterred. Mm -hmm. He appealed. Years go by. It's March of 2001. A three-judge panel reviewed the lower court's decision. And they upheld it. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) So... There's not a ton about this online, but in the last article I saw, Peter was debating taking his case to the Supreme Court. To the what? Supreme Court! Okay, I didn't do that because it wasn't the United States Supreme Court. It was like the New Mexico Supreme Court. I don't care. I feel like we have to have different levels of fanfare. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing that didn't happen. <laughs> Wow. And that's the story of the man who did not want to become a father. I don't care for that man. No, he sounds awful. I also read that they were also having a separate issue with custody at this point, because I guess suddenly Peter was like, I would like custody, which I'm sure was only because she had filed for sole custody. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. Fuck that dude. That's so messed up. I feel so sorry. Well, she's she's a grown woman now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oof. 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 So you don't feel sorry for those dudes? No. I was amazed at how many columnists, men and women, were like, well, we can all feel a little sorry for the guy, blah, 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 blah. No. Wow. I found that so upsetting. That is upsetting. I don't care for that at all. What was worse? My case last week or my case (laughs) this week? Uh, Yeah, somehow a salted box of vulva is... Well, the box wasn't salted. It was the vulva. (laughs) I'm sorry. A box of salted vulva. Is that better? Yep. Accuracy is very important. Uh, um, I want to talk to you about something. Okay, go ahead. About the power of this podcast. Ooh, ooh, what have something, we done? Something has happened here in Kansas City, and I think that it's because of us. <laughs> so, we recently, on an episode, talked about how bad Little Caesars is. Yeah. Do you recall? I... I feel very strongly about how bad Little Caesars is. Yes. Yesterday, Zach wanted Little Caesars for dinner. And I was like, that's fine. I'll have some crazy bread. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the Little Caesars by our house. It's closed. <gasps> what? And he's like, what the hell? So then he goes to this other, this other Little Caesars. That's just a little bit further from our house. Uh-huh. In the other direction. It's also closed. What? So we looked it up. 
All 21 Little Caesars restaurants in the Kansas City metro area have closed as of, as of like Sunday. Oh my God. (laughs) They were all owned by the same guy. (laughs) He's a big fan of the podcast. We broke his heart. He was like, that's it. (laughs) Sir, if you're listening, what we think you should do is just turn it into a crazy bread stand. Yeah. Is that not nuts? That's we took down Little Caesars. The power. What will we do next? <laughs> we are going to be drunk with power. <laughs> what if our power is only limited to food? Mm, that's I'd, fine. I'd be fine with yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, that's nuts. Yeah. So apparently, there's some uh, dispute. It's gonna going to become a lawsuit. It looks like uh, between the corporation and the franchisee. He does not believe he. So he was selling apparently mm-hmm. um, the five dollar hot and ready pizza for six dollars. Okay. Yes, he did not believe that it could be profitable at five dollars a piece. You know, I kind of agree with him because Norman would get the five dollar hot and ready. Yeah, and I was shocked. Yeah. I mean. Yep. So they he was ordered to close all of his. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Yes, we will. But if this is our power, mm-hmm. if our power is to um, control restaurants, <gasps> next on the list, what? Buffalo Wild Wings. Let me tell you <laughs> how they have pissed me off. Let's hear it. Sunday. Zach and I, you know this about me. I don't know that our listeners know this about me. I I love the Kansas City Chiefs. I watch their, the game every Sunday or Monday if it happens to be a Monday night game. Anyway, they're doing amazing this season. They look so great. We've got this great young new quarterback They've who's got awesome. The spandex on. They look so, so great. No, like the team is playing really great, Kristen. <laughs> Kristen doesn't know what a football is. <laughs> um, so we're really excited. The game got moved to the primetime Sunday spot. So it's the 720 game on Sunday. Zach's like, oh, I'll go pick up some Buffalo Wild Wings and we'll eat some wings while we watch the game. Great. So he goes to Buffalo Wild Wings. And it's not real close to our house. It's like 15 minutes from where we live. And so he goes and he gets us like some honey barbecue wings and some traditional wings. Brings them home. There's no fucking ranch in the bag. Ooh. And it's supposed to come with like eight ranches. Four Mm -hmm. for each flavor. Yeah. And when the guy read him off the bat, like the contents of the bag, he was like, "He lied." Blah 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 blah. Ranch, whatever. And so Zach was like, "Is the ranch in the bag?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's in the bag." So he didn't check. So we have no ranch in our refrigerator. So what Zach kind of is, Midwest no shit. are you? So Zach is pissed. <laughs> He's like losing his fucking mind. He's what? so mad. So instead of doing, I don't know what I think a rational person would have done in driving to the grocery store that was three minutes from yeah, our home yeah. and buying ranch, he drove all the way back to Buffalo Wild How Wings. How far are you guys from a Buffalo Wild It's like 15 minutes. Oh my God, yeah. Zach, the wings are cold. Yeah, so he drives back to Buffalo Wild Wings and he goes in and he goes up to the counter and he's like, do you remember me? I was just here. I picked up my order. And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, there was no ranch in the bag. And the guy's like, oh, sorry about that. And he comes out with two oh, no. little tiny ranches. Absolutely little not. Little tiny cups of ranch. And Zach's like, 
yeah, that's not going to work for me. I want the big cups. Give me some big cups of the ranch. And he's like, oh, uh, if you want that much ranch, I'm going to have to get a manager. Are you serious? And Zach goes, and Zach is so mellow. I know. That's what, like. That's what, you should definitely say this. Because people might be like, oh, he went and bullied someone over some ranch. Zach is such a mellow guy. Like, he just lets stuff roll off him. Like, he doesn't get mad about stuff. But he was fucking pissed about this. The exception is this ranch. And so the guy's like, oh, I'm going to have to go get the manager if you want that much ranch. And Zach goes, for fucking ranch? (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, hold on, let me, let me get the manager. And so the manager comes up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what seems to be the problem? And Zach's like, I just picked up my order. I had an order of honey barbecue wings, an order of traditional wings. Both were supposed to come with ranch. I got home. There's no ranch in the bag. So I came all the way back here. My wings are at home getting cold. Yeah. To get some ranch. And this guy's trying to give me these two little cups of ranch. I want the big ones that are supposed to come with my order. Yeah. And the manager goes, well, I'm sorry, sir, but I have no way of knowing if you actually got ranch with your order. What? Yeah. They think, oh, and oh, Zach, that is ridiculous. Zach, like, loses oh. He's like, are you kidding me? You think I'd be here right now letting my wings get cold? Probably going to miss the beginning of the fucking game to try and score some extra ranch <laughs> off of you? <laughs> That is incredible. And she's like, well, there's just no way of knowing, sir. So if you want that much ranch, you're going to have to pay for it. It's $2.45. You are kidding me. So he was like, fine, fucking charge my card. I won't be back. Oh. So now I have to take down Buffalo Wild Wings is the moral of that story. Okay, that is really, really bad. Terrible fucking customer service. And how much time did they waste going back and forth with that conversation? Yes. How much does the ranch really cost Exactly. Them? No. Bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Real bad. I have one Buffalo Wild Wings story. You do? Yeah. It's not about them behaving badly. Okay. Is so, it about you behaving no, badly I at never, a Buffalo Wild Wings? I never behaved badly. Did you get crazy? Were you overserved and you got Woo! on the table? <laughs> <laughs> no, so we were... It was me and Norman and my mom and dad. This was uh-huh. several years ago. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, they serve you stuff in, like, those little paper Paper, things. yeah, basket thingies, yeah. So we're there, and there's this table next to us. And it's, like, a couple and their daughter. And the woman is very overdone, mm-hmm. a little overdressed for Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh-huh. Waiter brings them the food. It's in the little paper things. The woman loses her mind. She flips one of the little paper things and goes, I don't eat like this. (gasps) Which, I'm sorry, you're in a Buffalo Buffalo Wild Wild Wings Wings right now. Where do you think you are? Oh my gosh. It reminded me of when I was a waitress at freaking TGI Fridays. Mm -hmm. And there was this woman who came in. It was with a big party. And she asked if the salmon was farm-raised or caught out in the wild. Ma'am, it's frickin' frozen. (laughs) I think I said frickin' frozen. (laughs) Then she wanted to know if we had champagne. We have champagne? They found one bottle, dusted off, (laughs) champagne at the TGI Fridays. Wow! I think... 
think it was like a family thing, and she was like the fancy one. Oh my god! Clearly, did not choose the TGI Fridays. <laughs> Fridays are Sam and his fucking friends. Oh, ma'am. Yes, we have it flown in daily. We also have the potato skins flown in daily. Straight from Idaho. Where do you think you are? That's amazing. So, what I'm telling you guys is that I'm going to need you to back me up on this Buffalo Wild Wings boycott. We're going to need to take them down. Because I am not exaggerating when I say that my husband does not get upset. He, he really like, is like he's so mellow. I'm sure he's the type of guy who gets described this way a lot and probably finds it obnoxious. But wouldn't you say like teddy bear type? Yeah. Like he's just a, he's just a nice yes. guy. Oh man, yeah, yeah. He's just a nice guy who tries to scam restaurants out of their <laughs> ranch. <laughs> out of ranch. You should see our fridge. <laughs> it's just tiny cups of ranch as far as the eye can see. <laughs> oh, my God. Kristen. Yes. How are your legs feeling? They're pretty good. Are they still attached to your body? They're still, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> Let me tell you guys what this unicorn did. <laughs> uh, it just blows my fucking mind. On... Saturday? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, some well, Saturday. Yeah. yeah, because this is going to come out a little bit later. But yeah. um, on some recent Saturday, Kristen ran the fucking Kansas City Marathon. I think you are amazing. Thank you. I mean, to me, that sounds like you ran to the moon. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just not even a possibility. So, well, they told me there was ranch dressing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let me tell you guys just a little something about this because I was asking Kristen. So, when Kristen ran this, Norm was out of town. So, I was concerned about her getting to and from the race. So, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, do you have a ride lined up and whatever? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I just, you know, I go to Kyla's house and then I just I just walk on over to the marathon. I was like, oh, that sounds great. You know what I like to do in front and behind my 26 miles? Take a fucking 10 mile hike. (laughs) They do live really close to the start. (laughs) (laughs) I have been debating telling this story Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And you guys, I told Brandy a few days ago. And it's just like, it's one of those stories that's so stupid, but it's kind of it's hilarious. The best. And maybe, maybe some people will learn. Yeah, I think this is a PSA. Okay, this is a PSA. So this past marathon was my fourth marathon. I was a little cocky. That is over 100 miles of marathons. Damn right it is. That is amazing. It's not as amazing as people think it is. I think it's amazing. Well, thank you. In previous marathons... I, first of all, I, I'm not an early riser, but obviously the marathons, they start at like 7 a.m. So I'm up way too early. Yeah. I always have like a little breakfast sandwich that I like zap in the microwave. Yum, yum, yum. And then <laughs> yum, yum, yum. eat, eat, eat. And then I'm on my way. Yeah. But this year I was like, I know what I'll do. I don't have one of those breakfast sandwiches. I will create my meal the night before. Mm hmm. So what'd you make? Shut up. <laughs> I I did two eggs. I get half of the biggest zucchini you've ever seen in your life. So it's basically a whole zucchini. Yeah. 
I had mashed potatoes in the fridge. So I do like mashed potatoes, a whole sauteed zucchini, and then two eggs on top with hot sauce. Oh my God. What the fuck were you thinking? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what I was thinking. I wake up an hour before start time. I eat that. And as soon as I'm done, I'm like, whoa, that was a lot of food. That was a weird combination. Yes. Of so, you know, I go over to Kyla and Jay's. I'm feeling stuffed. <laughs> we walk down. I'm like, oh, damn, I have not digested. I'm in the line for the race. Like, I feel <laughs> terrible. Start running. I feel awful. Mm-hmm. It's so every other marathon I've done been I, a breeze. I felt pretty fine. Yeah. And you know, I'm always kind of like waiting. They always say like 18 the first 18 miles feel like 18 miles. Yeah. The last 8 feel like another 18 miles. Yeah. So I'm always nervous, but you know, it's always been fine. This time my stomach was like I do with mashed potatoes blah blah blah. So Stopped at three porta potties. Oh, it was no. terrible. And at at the very end, like you know, again, I was just totally miserable. I finished the race. I sat against some concrete. I texted my sister. I was like, "Come get me." I'm at the intersection of Pershing and Maine. I'm the sweaty one holding the banana. <laughs> this whole time, I'm like, I'm not telling anyone what yeah. I did because it's too stupid. Yeah. It's too stupid. Well, I think you should point out that you did manage to complete the race without shitting your pants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's important to. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who's yeah. like, I'd hate to slow down. I yeah, just no. shit all over no, myself. I, uh, I contain that. To Excellent. Port <laughs> Excellent. This, is this too disgusting? No, I fucking me. love it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I decide to myself, I'm not telling anyone. But then Kyla shows up. She's there with my little niece. And I just, I spill my guts. I'm like, Kyla's like, how was the race? And I was like, it was terrible. (laughs) Because, and I'm like, I ate two eggs. And she's like, okay. I was like, and too much zucchini. And she's like, okay. And then I realized, like, I can't just say. Yeah. And so I'm like, and I ate mashed potatoes and hot sauce. And she's like, what? Yeah, what the fuck were you thinking? And so I I tell her the whole thing. I'm like, my stomach was so upset. I ate mashed potatoes. I stopped at three porta potties, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, I'm not really thinking my niece is paying any attention to this at all. (laughs) The next day, I go over to my parents' house. And my mom's like, hey, how's the marathon? And I was like, it really was not good. And she goes, yeah, I heard you ate a bunch of mashed potatoes and stopped at three porta <laughs> Turns out, Allie told my mom and then told some random woman at uh, the charity event that my mom was working that day that Auntie ran a marathon and stopped three times at the porta potty. Oh my gosh. So I figure now the cat's out That's of the bag. That's how everybody knows. Yeah. So if you're thinking about running a marathon, yeah, this has all been to tell you don't, don't eat mashed potatoes, hot sauce, and run. <laughs> Not that anyone or needed to Or you might know. have the runs. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, it's a rough time. Oh, man. Well, hey, everyone, be on the lookout for us on social media. <laughs> if you're hopping along on Twitter, stop on over. At the Let's Go to Court page, it's Let's Go, the number two, 
court. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if you're bouncing around over on Facebook, <laughs> find our find our little happy bounce house. It's uh, let's go to court. And then uh, skip on over to Instagram. And uh, you'll find us there at LGTC Podcast. And let me tell you something that's brand new. We have a YouTube channel. We are YouTube stars. Okay, so I should explain. The only reason we have a YouTube account is because we'd read somewhere that that's good for your SEO or whatever, blah, blah, blah. blah so blah, I'm blah. like, okay, we'll play the game. Yeah. So we have episodes uploaded there. We're trying to get more famous than Norman. And Brandy, I've got some big news. What? We have three, count them, one, two, three subscribers. Um, two what other than me <laughs> what? I'm one of Are those you one three of <laughs> I'm even less proud than I was hey so head on over to our YouTube page and subscribe today you could be one of the lucky one of the few one of the proud <laughs> Yep, and uh, leave us a rating, leave us a review if you haven't already done it. Yes, and then join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the Albuquerque Journal, the Washington Post, and newspapers.com. And I got my info from an American Greed episode, an episode of Snapped, and murderpedia.org. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 